turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. Boy, that music is loud. Can you even, can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm in. We got, we got Keith Conrad in the booth today, so uh, all bets are off, friends. Who, who even knows? I mean, it might be like a whole day of kickers. It's very possible. I'm just sort of waiting with bated breath just for sound effects throughout the segment, <laughs> which could be maybe a fun experiment one day. Yeah. Should we give them that kind of power just one day? Just let it. I don't think we have to give them that power. I think they could take it. Yeah, I know they could take it, Brian, but wouldn't it be better for it to be a partnership? I would enjoy to... I would enjoy them doing that. A, I... a Simpsons drop every couple minutes. Just boom. I mean, he's nodding. Yes. He's, he's saying yes for that. I don't know if that means it's happening. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's on. <laughs> he's like, they're already loaded. Just brace yourself. All right, so uh, a couple of information bucket things. First, you can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show or 1160hope.com slash The Common Good on Twitter at Common Good Talk, plus wherever it is you get your podcasts. I love that sort of our podcast community Mm -hmm. is growing. And if that's you, uh, a little like, subscribe, and review actually does help us out a lot. If there's a show or a segment that particularly resonates with you, if you just hit that share button or just text it to somebody, uh, we're still a pretty new show, so all all that actually really helps us out Mm -hmm. and... uh, Thank you to all of those who do that. And it seemed fitting, I think, today to start the show talking about Veterans Day. Yep. And it's, a, it's one of those things that I realized since we started in January, there's a lot of like various different holidays we've talked about for the first time on this show because it's, you know, our first year still. And it's I was even driving here today thinking, I'm not entirely sure what to say. Uh, you and mm-hmm. I haven't served. And so there is certainly... That component that feels like, gosh, should we even be weighing in on it all? But I'm curious to know, and I don't know that much about your family background either. Like, what does Veterans Day mean to you? Do you guys recognize it? Do you do anything as a family? Do you talk about it? Like, what does Veterans Day look like in your family? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Much like you, I don't think it really ever has really played a part. Um, You know, um, we've had people serve within our family, but not... Uh, not actively in wars and this and that. And so I know for some families, uh, Veterans Day is such a huge deal. And, and it's and it's something they point out, you know, and, and really celebrate for us. Like you said, it can be one of those holidays. And I say this um, not not prideful, not in a proud way, but in one that I wish was different for my family uh, or for myself. I should say Veterans Day could be one that's easily forgotten, easily passed over. I remember growing up. Uh, we always had off of school for Veterans Day. Veterans Day was a regular holiday. My kids don't have off school today. Uh, and I do. In fact, I asked them, I'm like, do you have school on Monday? And they're like, why wouldn't we? I was like, OK, we need to talk about Veterans Day. Yeah, right. And just a little bit about that, because 
You know, Memorial Day is a day to remember those who have died in battle. Veterans Day is a day to remember those who have served. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is so important, I think, as a nation uh, for us to uh, whether, you know, let's put this out there, whether you are somebody who are is as anti-war as you could possibly be or you're one of these people who is more pro-war. Uh, I don't know if anyone's actually pro-war, but uh, you know the distinctives. Um it's still our veterans deserve to be honored and recognized by people across the political spectrum, across the spectrum of what you believe about the military, uh, because those who serve are not making those decisions. They're they're sacrificially and heroically uh, serving our nation and and in ways that that benefit those of us who don't serve. And so I yeah. do think it's a day to go. You know what? From those who are who are really old in our communities, who, who served maybe in World War Two. Uh, to those who have all the way served down, say, in Afghanistan or Iraq, this especially is a day uh, to uh, to thank them, to honor them, to remember them and to uh, to remember what they have afforded for us as Americans. Yeah, I want to read a little bit from this article I found uh, from Bruce Epperly. It's entitled Veterans Day and the Moral Equivalent of War. He begins kind of giving some some history and some precursors to Veterans Day, which I didn't know about. But he says uh Today, we need to honor the sacrifices of veterans and their families. We need to support the veterans who have been wounded in body, mind, and spirit serving our nation. We also need to reclaim the spiritual and ethical origins of Veterans Day and its emphasis on America's obligation to be a moral beacon Mm. and leader in the quest for peace among nations. The fight for freedom is always costly, and Veterans Day reminds us that we are all called to sacrifice our self-interest for the greater good of our nation and the world. Authentic freedom is not about doing what we want apart from the needs of others, but involves aligning ourselves with the highest values and the better angles of our natures, as Abraham Lincoln asserted, uh, as the Apostle Paul proclaimed to the early Christian community, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, do not use mm. your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. And he wraps it up saying this, he says, our veterans remind us that sacrifice is at the heart of the spiritual life and healthy relationships. Sacrificial living and the willingness to defer personal gratification for the well-being of others reflects the graceful and intricate interdependence of life. Sacrifice reflects the fact that none of us is, quote, self-made and that all of us depend on others for our creativity, prosperity and well-being. In our gratitude for the unmerited gifts we have received, we are challenged to share our resources of time, talent and treasures with others, both locally and globally. And I thought that was a really helpful framing of this day, much like you were saying at the beginning, like regardless of how you feel politically, socially, religiously, like this idea of self-sacrificing posture is arguably at the very core of our Christian faith. And in some ways, I think that's that those two paragraphs have kind of helped for me to like rethink and reframe some of how I've thought about veterans day and some of the ways that I've kind of processed through it as a family. And I'd, I'd love to know what, maybe challenges you would give for other people who are like, ah, I still don't know how I feel about this or I'm not sure where I land or I don't know how to engage with somebody else who feels very differently than I do about the topic. What, what insight would you give? Uh, I would say I would, like you already said, I would try to remove honoring people who have served selflessly and sacrificially from, you know, any particular policy or any particular um, uh, politician or movement or whatever else it might be. You know, I, I go to lots of sports games with especially my son and I 
Some people don't like that sporting events do this. But if you go to a game at Wrigley, probably at Soldier Field, you were at the Bears game yesterday. Maybe they did this. They tend to have like a veteran of the day, mm-hmm. like a veteran of the game, and they bring them out. And one of the things I love, and I've actually used it as an opportunity to talk to my son, like, hey, that guy down there, or that woman down there that everyone's giving a standing ovation to right now, mm-hmm. here's why they deserve that, why they've earned that. And I feel like he's been to enough games that he starts realizing he'll now stand up before I do, <laughs> you know, when they, when they see that moment going on. Uh, there, sometimes it's healthy just to recognize an individual person's um, worthiness of being celebrated for what they've done, the sacrifice they've given on our behalf, on our nation's behalf, rather than bring it up into some greater conversation about the morality of this or that, just to say that person deserves to be celebrated. And I think that's a helpful thing at Veterans Day to go. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to search out the veterans in my family, in my church, in my neighborhood, and just say thank you. Yeah, and I, and I would I would love to extend a thank you to to my two grandfathers mm-hmm. who, who both served and the example that they have been in my life. Honestly, just even growing up right outside Detroit, I'll I'll just end with this again from Bruce Epperly. So the philosopher Alfred North Whitehead asserted that authentic spirituality inspires us to move from individual self-interest to world loyalty in an intricately connected world. This begins with our local communities, expands to our nation, and then embraces planetary well-being and the well-being of future generations. When our veterans made the ultimate sacrifice, they looked beyond themselves to ensure a better world, and so should we in daily and community lives. Veterans, a Veterans Day challenges our greed so that we can respond to others' needs. So as we celebrate this Veterans Day, we need to support our veterans and current military personnel and their families but just as important we need to embrace the vision of those sac- of those whose sacrifices inspired this holiday a world of peace justice and american commitment to being a moral force in the healing of the earth i just think that is an incredibly pointed challenge yeah, to anyone who serves or has served uh, we want to celebrate and thank you today well, coming up next in the studio, my friend Sherry Banky is here to talk about the Together Conference coming in February, talking about how do we invest in our most important relationships. Mm-hmm. That's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us all over the World Wide Web, the Common Good Radio com. That's not true. That's a made-up website. I actually don't think it is. There's another Common Good Radio out there that I was searching the other day. Just and go I to think their that website. Just give them, give them <laughs> so some love. They appreciate the publicity. How long has it been since I've been in this seat? It feels like a month. It feels like a month. That's to probably me as well. why. You can go on Facebook and yeah, find the Common Good Radio Show. 1160hope.com slash the Common Good. Now we're back in the rhythm. There we are. On Twitter at Common Good Talk. Like you riding can, a bike. This cannot kind of, I'm very bad at riding bikes. <laughs> but one of our favorite things about this show is when we bring in friends and guests, and today is no exception. Actually, I think. I think our second guest ever in the studio, mm-hmm. in the flesh here again, one of our few repeat guests is Sherry Benke. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. having me. It I is am. my pleasure. Makes her a friend Glad of the show. Glad to be here. Oh yeah, you're officially a friend of the show now. Yeah. Awesome. It's like, it's I like, feel like I'm an exclusive club now. It's we like when you get awarded a badge on Facebook. No one knows what it means, but, <laughs> but you have it. I'll take it. Hey, sounds good. <laughs> All right. So why don't you, for anyone listening who doesn't know who you are, introduce yourself and I'll say this, introduce yourself however you want. You can be as vulnerable or personal or professional as you want. Uh, okay. <laughs> I know because I feel like I, um, I'm a life enthusiast. So I just, I love life and I think of myself more as an encourager and a runner and a foodie. And, but I guess I am a wife and I am a mom as well. And I uh-huh. do have a job and um, I am 
the small groups director at Community Christian Church Yellow Box. And I'm also the uh, event director of uh, the Together Conference, which is a marriage and family conference, um, an annual conference that we have um, at Community. So we're going to mention together a few times in the next two segments, but will you just real quickly give kind of the information buckets? Where can people go to learn more? What's it cost? What's it about? Dates, all that stuff. Absolutely. So communitychristian.org slash together, where you can find um, definitely additional information and register. Right now we have an early bird rate of $49 per person. Nice. The event is February 8th, 2020. Mm. Um, And it's an all-day event, uh, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., a nice immersive event to help you invest in your most important relationships. And regardless of kind of what the status of your relationship is, whether you're in a committed relationship, um, engaged, married, uh, empty nester, and we even have single folks who hope to be married who do come to the conference Mm -hmm. and are looking to just um, have some great relationship skills. Maybe I'll meet someone at the conference. Yes. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you meet? A marriage guy. Exactly. Literally called together. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, so as pastors and as people who work in churches, there is this stigma for some weird reason about marriage counseling, about marriage conferences. Like they're for the people whose marriages are crumbling. Yes. And we, I know both of us talk about that all the time, trying to preach right, against that. Right. Let's talk about that a little bit. Where do you think that comes from? And mm. where's, what's the danger when we we view working on our marriages that way. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, which is, gosh, the dream for together is to kind of destigmatize yeah. that whole thing. When we think about marriage, uh, counseling, couples, therapy, or whatever, it, couples tend to wait till they're in a crisis mode. And that's mm-hmm. where we seem to be whenever we get there. We have to go to that professional level. But it's often kind of too late. If you mm, think yeah. you need that marriage counseling, you usually are kind of, you know, sludging through for about six years. Statistically, that's wow. what we learn is people are about six years too late into that couples therapy. Wow. Yes. And um, gosh, across six years, you know, you've developed some pretty toxic habits, right. maybe some hurts mm. along the way. And uh, we definitely want to change that tide a little bit to where, gosh, um, I was sharing uh, with some friends earlier that I am, I am committed to being married my whole life. Right. I would hope that it would be happily married for most of them. Right, right, right. right. And so if we wait six years, you know, to seek help for a hurdle mm-hmm. that we are, you know, enduring, man, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a long time to uh, kind of, I don't know kind of grind through yeah, uh, no relationship kidding. hurdles. We, we had a pastor emeritus at my last church, and I remember when we celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary, and I remember pulling him aside asking him about that, and he goes, yeah, it's been about 53 great years of marriage. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. the first seven were really difficult. Yeah. And I remember that really striking me, thinking, mm-hmm. I don't hear a whole lot of people say phrases like that anymore, the yeah. first seven. Sure. Really, usually it's like, the first two were difficult, so yeah. we both bailed. Yeah. Like, what do, you, what do you think is at the core of why, mm-hmm. why we bail on these most important relationships so quickly like why because i was out together last year and it was like oh man i wish everyone could be here for this why do you Um, think it's so easy for us to bail there's a few things one we are mesmerized by hollywood Uh and hollywood is informing us to what a relationship looks like and so to think that relationship requires work is really just kind of new information for most people we love that fairy tale story and they lived happily ever after and we are a little bit mesmerized by that and we want that to happen and so the one when there does come a point in all relationships and definitely committed relationships where there work is required, mm. work is required. So it really kind of stuns us sometimes like 
this shouldn't be. Oh, my gosh. Now there's something wrong with me and wrong with you. And then yeah. we really get into some entrenched dysfunction out right. of those kind of unrealistic expectations mm. that our culture has really kind of placed on relationships. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I wonder if there's some engaged people listening right now or people who are going to be married soon. What are even some things you tell them getting into marriage? Yeah. Like, I always love doing premarital counseling. And yeah. people are always like. I was like, you know, it's not happily ever after. It's not the way this (laughs) is going to work. What are some words you'd give to maybe some engaged couples or people who do think, oh, marriage is just all like Disney? (laughs) Walk in the park. That's such a great question. So I have an adult daughter who's engaged. So I am having these conversations on the regular. Like you. Trying (laughs) not to sound like the mom (laughs) who's like, you know. (laughs) It's got to be hard to keep that balance. It is. And it is setting those realistic expectations that, hey, it requires work and Uh a commitment. Commitment to that, like yeah. both of you guys understanding and maybe even putting down some ground rules while things are kind of cool. The temperatures aren't hot. We're not in mm-hmm. the throes of, a, of, of an argument right now. But what are some ground rules for how we're going to navigate conflict? Mm. So when we get there, we're not really hurting one another. Right. And I mean, that's one of the things that I've explained to um, my daughter is she's kind of just navigating the tensions of planning a wedding mm-hmm. and all that brings um I mean, those are kind of the first things, kind of setting that expectation mm-hmm. like, hey, these are going to happen. So before we even get in the trench of that, let's set up some ground rules. What are some guardrails that are going to protect our hearts right. and protect our relationships so we don't kind of get into that? Often you have the same argument, at least in my household. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just speak for myself. <laughs> Where you get in kind of the same argument over and right. over and mm-hmm. over again, right? It's right. just like, wait, what is going on Is this here? a rerun? I've <laughs> seen this movie before. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> I lost it before. Exactly, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But then also knowing that's the, the nature of relationship, right. right? And let's not be surprised by that. Let's just kind of, you know. Gain some wisdom in how can we prepare ourselves for that when that, it happens. And that's so smart to set ground rules when you're not in the midst of an argument because we're terrible at setting boundaries in the midst of something. Oh, like yes. no one's at their best. Yeah. And I, no. You used this analogy earlier about brushing your teeth and going to the dentist. Can you just yes. unpack that a little bit? Because I think it makes so much sense for me about how we can approach relational health in that way. I know, I know. And and man, if somebody can think of a better creative way, that's fine. But brushing your teeth, it really is just a simple daily habit. It doesn't take a lot of time, but we all are pretty committed to doing that. At the same time, we still go to the dentist Uh and we make sure that everything is still kind of working good. And it may be a little discomfort whenever we go to the dentist and if you've been brushing on a regular basis, you tend to just get a clean bill of health and see you in six months. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a little bit of extra work that needs to take yeah, place, right. right? But there's no shame in going to the dentist, Ooh. right? It's just kind of like what we do. Right. We go to the dentist and we want to make sure that our we have good you know, oral health. Man, I, I think we should look at our relationships the mm. same way. We need to do some kind of daily habitual practices mm-hmm. that really, uh, you know, a keystone habit that really moves lots of things forward, but also, Hey, let's go get those checkups. Let's go to that annual conference. Let's make sure we're really kind of landing on the same page at the same time and some things and really investing in our relationship to make Mm -hmm. it healthy and thriving. And then man, if there are some red flags that come up, totally 
now we know, okay, let's address those before yeah. we get six years down the road uh-huh. and, and, and really bad habits that are hurtful. See, right. I, I think that's a great analogy yeah. because no, no one's ever said, oh my gosh, you hear about Brian? He's going to the dentist. <laughs> oh, no. No. You know what I mean? Like we need to destigmatize yeah, exactly. taking care of these important relationships. Exactly, exactly. Which is what Together is all about. If you're just joining us, it's sure communitychristian.org slash together. February 8th, early bird special. Right now it's $49. It's an all day thing. Yep. I've been there every year we've had it. It's amazing. I think I'm even leading a breakout, which yes. is going to be fun. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. But that other voice you're hearing is Sherry Banky, who is kind of the brain's inspiration behind this whole thing. So we've been kind of talking at 30,000 feet. Coming up next, we're going to get really practical. Yeah. Someone's listening and they're like, okay, I might be at a place. Let's get some real practical tools in people's hands to invest in their mo- most important relationships. Mm-hmm. So that's all coming up next here in The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. See, I got the got website right. right. Wow. Way to go. You're Ian. on a roll today. Self five. <laughs> but we have in the studio, and I should probably lay the cards on the table, an actual friend of mine. Yeah. I don't want to be like, oh, it's this person that we don't know anything about. It's like, no, this is just... My friend, we share an office, Sherry Banky, who does a billion things at Community, by the way. you, you uh, Your official role is small groups, small yes. groups director, right? Yes. But you oversee a whole bunch of things, not the least of which is yeah. the Together Conference. Before we get into some of the practical tools that I talked about, right. I don't think I've ever asked you this question. What was like the inspiration behind Together? Mm-hmm. Like, why this conference? Um, a couple of things. Yeah. One, just as a church community, we're just trying to meet the needs of our com- church community and surrounding community. And we just, mm-hmm. you know, what are the, some of the needs out there? So that really kind of got us thinking about this. And then, um, I'm personally passionate about this, and I we kind of felt the way to meet these needs is, um, kind of what we talked about in the other segment was, when we look at the landscape of how can we help our families thrive mm-hmm. and our couples thrive, mm-hmm. there really is kind of like, Crisis management. Yeah. Nothing, nothing kind of in between there. Right. You got the, the weekends away, which I think are amazing, immersive experiences, but those tend to be these kind of crisis management intervention kind of things. It's like, man, can we back that train up a little bit? <laughs> you know, create something that's fun that makes this worthwhile. People yeah. want to come to that can really kind of help our families and couples and relationships really thrive yeah. and to prevent that crisis in the first place. Can mm. we do that? And that's really that. where this came from. And and that's our goal uh, at the conference is to make it fun. Man, I'm, I work at community and we are all about fun. That's true. Right? We are. We're all about fun. That's our culture. Um, but can we give people some simple tools, a simple brushing your teeth kind of tools mm-hmm. that can really go a long way yeah. in making our relationships thrive? I love that. Yeah. So, all right. So real briefly, just website, Yep. Cost, date, all that. Just hit that again for anyone just joining us thinking, oh, this sounds awesome. I want to go yes. to that. Communitychristian.org slash together. Lots of information there. Registration is right there. Current registration is an early bird rate of $49 per person. Awesome. Way cheaper than marriage counseling at the time. <laughs> if you that need marriage true. counseling, go. But I'm just saying, this is the preempt to that. And then um, that early bird rate will be available till December 31st. But our conference is on Saturday, February 8th, Ooh. 2020, which yes. sounds like a fantastic date. But like 2020, I'm like anticipating 2020 for some reason. <laughs> so it is sounds Barbara like Walters. A fun, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, it's, and it's a full day conference. It's from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. There's a lunch on site, which is um, some great food that we'll be providing. That's and awesome. um, just an immersive experience to yeah. invest in your most important relationship. So speaking of that relationship, so you, I love 
love the analogy of brushing your teeth and going mm-hmm. to the dentist. What are some of those brushing your teeth activities that you would encourage couples to be doing on a regular basis to stay connected and keep growing? Awesome. I think a real simple one, and it sounds simple, <laughs> But it's one that I often see families and couples struggle with, and that's just conversation that goes somewhere. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) How's your day? Fine. Cool. See you tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, kind of outside. Like, can we have conversations that really kind of move us forward towards connection? Mm -hmm. Um, We had a a resource available where we called, you know, conversation starters around the date table, conversation starters around the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And just, con- you know, those conversation starters that are opened into questions that really just move you towards connection. Yeah. And that's really the goal, right? The goal is to move towards connection. And um, simple things like, what are you finding exciting in life right now? Mm. You know? Uh, or what is your biggest worry right now? Mm. Those are just real simple things, but they really drive connection. Yeah. You can ask, you know, you're, if you're in a committed relationship, that's going to create some connection right away. That's going to create connection with your kids. And it'll create connection with any kind of, you know, deeper relationship that you have to kind of have those conversations yeah. that really drive connection. Those are those mm. simple brush your teeth kind of things that everybody can kind of enter into. However, they're not always intuitive. We, you know, we have a right. list of about 30 questions that is a simple tool you can take with you, you know, keep it at the dinner table mm-hmm. or stuck it, stick it in your purse <laughs> when you go to, you know, on a date night or something like that to keep them handy. Mm. Um, another tool that we have available that was a resource that we'll have available is called the CTR, which is a community temperature reading tool that we got from Emotionally Healthy Relationships from Peter Scacera. That's a whole course that you can take. It's awesome. But a simple tool that kind of moves that conversation even to a little deeper place where you might want to start addressing some conflict mm. in a healthy way mm. and, and kind of warms you up to that. That's why it's called the CTR or community temperature reading. You kind of start with those warm questions of, hey, I appreciate this about mm-hmm. you. And, and, you know, you kind of got that warm up to the conversation. Right. But then how do we move into those conversations where there's a little bit more tension, you know, that needs to be addressed, but Mm. you don't have the words. And I'll just speak for myself. I grew up in a house where conflict was addressed pretty loudly (laughs) and sometimes physically. Right. And and when I entered into my relationships with my spouse and with my kids, I was like, don't want to do that. Yes. But really had a hard time going, gosh, but I know I need to navigate this. Where do I go? And the CTR gave me the tools where um, there's puzzles. And puzzles are just things you have questions about. And just and so I said and saying, why did you do that? It's mm-hmm. I'm puzzled. Can you help me understand why mm, you did that? That's good. Entering in with some curiosity um, or complaints with possible solutions. Um, I've noticed you've left your towel on the floor. I'd really prefer <laughs> if you'd hang that up. That's a good one with my kids. Like, yeah, right. You know, because I can go into that. Why did you leave the towel on the floor? I've told you several times, you know. Right. So let's just move into that where it's, you know solution-based and not in an accusatory way, but it's still addressing that tension, that conflict that um, that needs to be addressed. That kind of yeah. keeps the relationship yeah. warm instead of cold and shut down mm. and defensive. Right. Um, another thing about the community temperature reading is new information. And my husband and I are so guilty <laughs> of this, but we got lots of new information <laughs> That because, you know, just sitting down and just saying, gosh, you got some new information, like Mm. just even saying that, like, oh, Mm. yeah, this is happening at work or this is something that's going Mm. on. Like just to kind of have that handle to say, hey, let's talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then move into hopes and wishes, hopes and wishes. If you're addressing a conflict, gosh, my hope is that we can really, you know, work through this. Mm. Or Man, I wish someday that um, this 
this source of tension will be relieved. Yeah. You know, even moving into kind of the hopes and wishes of what it is. Like, I'm not here to to belittle or I, I'm just here to kind of, you know, work towards a solution. And my hope is that, gosh, we're going to navigate this someday and we'll be able totally. to use mm-hmm. it to, I don't know, inspire and encourage somebody else. Yeah. So where do people find those resources, by the way? I, or can you even just mention the course or the author of the book again for anyone that's like, oh, shoot, I didn't get a pen yes. in time. So the, the Community Temperature Reading, it's a resource from Emotionally Healthy Relationships. It's a course that we offer at Community, and um, it's by Peter Scacera. Mm-hmm. He's, got a couple, he's got Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Those are just great courses that mm-hmm. you can take um, that – really help you navigate life totally. you know and and that are helpful for all relationships and all development. Mm. So the other thing that I I love about your heart for this conference specifically is that it this isn't just a community church nope. event. This is for anybody that wants to and I would I would mm-hmm. guess would anyone who's like not sure how they feel about faith, well, are they welcome to something like this as well? They are absolutely welcome to something like this and and we have um you know, three breakout sessions that will happen mm-hmm. that, of course, they're faith based because we're in a church, but right. they're going to be helpful for anybody, yes. regardless of where you are in your faith journey. Th- these are just these are tools that are helpful. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> totally. and, and that's what we want our relationships to be. Um, you're going to exp- have a church, a positive church experience if you come and if yeah. church is not part of your normal rhythm or if, if you don't have a faith tradition right now, you're going to feel welcome and you're going to have a great experience. I love it. All right. So we got like a minute or so left would you just cast some vision for someone they're driving they're listening to podcasts and they're feeling like oh gosh i'm i'm feeling at the at the bottom rung right now in my relationships just would you just speak pastorally to someone listening right now give them some hope yes um definitely so i don't want to undersell the conference and like oh it's just all fun and games here right we want to you know really help um just pour into some new enthusiasm and life mm. into relationships that really require work. Yes. And, and so if you find yourself in a season where you're having to work, it's like, yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of part of the game. Mm-hmm. But man, there is hope. There's hope through this conference and there's tools in this conference. And then you're going to leave enthused, like a reinvigorated to really kind of address maybe some hard topics yep. and, and, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, forgiveness and healing that need to take place in a relationship that's been hurt over a long season. Uh, this will just put the wind back in your sails Love it. to kind of move you forward towards where you really want to go. That's right. And once again, that website is communitychristian.org slash together. That's February 8th. Right now, early bird special price is $49. We're practically giving it away, guys. <laughs> if you can't afford that, just come sure. contact us. We'll buy you a ticket. But come meet yeah. Sherry and Ian. We'd love the Ian. I said myself in third person. Come meet Sherry and Ian. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, gosh. I'm having a weird day. Uh, but communitychristian.org slash together. I can't encourage you enough. Sherry, thank you so much for being a repeat guest on yes. the show. Thank you Would so much. Would you come back again sometime? Me. I hope so. Please. I would love to be here. We would love that. We'd love to see you at the Together Conference as well. And uh, let's actually invest in our most important relationships. Yes. Well, you've been listening to The Common Good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. everybody welcome back to this segment i've literally gotten zero feedback about so 
Who knows <laughs> if this is even a good idea anymore? Uh, I've literally zero feedback about. <laughs> have you? Has anyone? Because you talk about conversations you have at your church, like, oh, I heard this segment or heard this story. Has anyone talked to you at all about the "What did you preach on Sunday?" segment? <laughs> I've actually never thought of it, but now that you ask, the answer to that question is no. It's like our most consistent segment, and we have no idea. If it's in any way <laughs> so appreciated funny. or celebrated or scoffed. <laughs> I mean, you probably have realized this, too, from the people who talk to you. Uh, honestly, and this probably shouldn't surprise us. The most <laughs> feedback I get is is about stuff that's borderline controversial or yeah. timely or whether it be in the Christian world, James McDonald, John MacArthur, whoever else sure, it might right. be, or it be political, you know, President Trump, whatever else it might be. You listed a lot of white guys there. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> yep. Those are those tend to be the ones that I get the most feedback about. But it's really funny. If you are at all thankful for preach uh for what did we preach yesterday, just email us. It'll make us feel better apparently. Oh, see, I wasn't gonna go there. We're I not feel like you were searching. For, you were no, searching. I'm not. You I think you are, and I think the history of the show I do. would show I do us. like it. How would yeah. they email you, Brian? No, How, we're not doing that. Go to Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> you just told like, them to email. Us. I meant Facebook. <laughs> Send us a Facebook message. You guys message. should know what Brian meant. Just yeah. <laughs> go to his house and give him a hug. All right. Uh, I actually didn't even ask this. Did Did you preach? Yes. I did. You did. I did. But be prepared. This coming Sunday, I'm not. So next week when we do this, I won't but have you, preached. You still talk about it, though, even if that you have true. That is true. But I did preach this Sunday. All right. Walk us through it. Yep. I preached. Uh, we're walking through the book of Daniel. Uh, and uh, we are in Daniel chapter 8 yesterday, which sometimes when you walk through a book of the Bible... Uh, one of the struggles can be that, you know, the chapters are a little bit artificial. And so there could be you could feel like you're preaching the same sermon. And you're like, all right, I got to make mm. this switch. So from Daniel chapter six to Daniel chapter seven, it goes from narrative to apocalyptic literature, Daniel's visions. And so the division of Daniel seven and the vision of Daniel eight are a little bit the same. The message of them are the same. Uh, but I think it's a hugely important message. And so I spent about half the time talking to our congregation. Again, it felt like a little bit of uh, restating what we talked about the week before. And it's this, that even when the world, even when your life feels broken and things are crashing down around you, you can be reminded that God is in control. God hasn't mm-hmm. left you. God, it can be trusted. Uh, and so this week's vision with the ram and the goat uh, is, again, God saying to Daniel, things are about to get bad, right? The Babylonians are going to be. Uh, After the Babylonians will come the Persians. After the Persians are going to come the Greeks. After the Greeks are going to come the Romans. Things will be hard for for the followers of God, but that ultimately God is victorious and we can hold on to that. We can persevere and we can even have joy in the midst of the struggle. And so we know that as followers of Jesus on this side of of the uh, of Jesus, that, that he promised he'll always be present. Uh, in that he will be with us even in the times of struggle. And so try to encourage our people that way. And then I took it a different direction with uh, when Daniel is uh, in his vision, comes in contact with Gabriel, uh, he immediately falls at the feet of Gabriel and he's Mm -hmm. just blown away. And so we did spend some time talking about walking through the Bible, whether it be, you know, Isaiah or Joshua or Ezekiel or Peter or John in the book of Revelation, that when people come in contact with either the presence of God or a messenger of God or the glory of God, they always just fall down in awe. Hmm. And we talked about one of the struggles for us is we lose that awe and and our kind of view of God shrinks Hmm. and proportionally then our view of ourselves goes up. And then we kind of see Jesus as a self-help coach or God as this cosmic Santa Claus. Right. 
And we talked about the dangers of that. And so I really just left our people with a question, like, how big's your God? Hmm. What's your level of awe? That that's kind of the starting point to realize, to, to just kind of getting the order correct. But we don't do that well all the time. And so uh, I enjoyed that. It was a great morning to be together. And uh, yeah, so where'd you preach yesterday? I know you ended up at Soldier Field. So <laughs> part of your journey was nah, there. Not but, for long. But, <laughs> oh, really? I mean, that was a rough game for a Lions fan. That was, that was everyone's like, you guys are gonna be fine. I had all these like encouragement from Chicago fans, so they're like, Bears don't stand a chance. And uh, pretty quickly, I was like, ah, <laughs> that came I, to be true. I think Lions might be in trouble here. Um, yeah, so we're uh, we're in a series called Breakthrough, where we're kind of walking through the Book of Acts and trying to you know sort of understand what were some of the practices and rhythms that made up. Uh, that early Christian community and what does it look like for God to break through in the midst of our life? And yeah. for a lot of us, you know, we, we would, at, we have you know, these big prayer walls at the yellow box that I love that, you know, we've encouraged people to write prayers on oh. kind of, you know, as this visual reminder that, you know, we're, we're praying for God to do stuff in our midst that's way beyond us. And I was actually at our Lincoln park location. Okay. Um, love being able to teach in the city too. It always is like a, it just it's such a different environment yep. too and it, I appreciate sort of the environment shift so before you jump in do yeah. you guys have a Lincoln Park and a Lincoln Square I I'm going to chill show my naiveness of neighborhoods of the city but. yeah we just love the Lincolns so That's, you do have one of each mm-hmm. okay and yep. they're completely different places they're yes they're com- yeah. <laughs> said the suburban guy <laughs> yeah they're, it's, one's not like a pseudonym for the other they're totally different but not even near each other <laughs> I mean it's near-ish they're yep. both in Chicago yep. yep two totally different communities uh Lincoln Park, where I was at, meets at uh, Latin School. Okay, there in the uh, Lincoln Park Old Town community, which is uh, it's just a great space. It's a great community of people. If you're in the city, by the way, and you're looking for a, we have one in Lincoln Park and Lincoln Square. You can go to communitychristian.org and find all of our locations. Yep. That was a nice little commercial there. there it was. Uh, okay, so we were talking about Acts uh, 11 mainly, and talking about the church in Antioch. And um, a little fun fact: Antioch is where these followers of the way were first called Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not necessarily uh, an encouraging term at the time. This is the other Mm -hmm. thing that's interesting about the word Christian is that, you know, the motives behind it were certainly different, but um, I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll give you this flyover because I thought this was really helpful. There's a theologian named Jack Levison and he points out uh, a couple of key qualities of the church in Antioch. And we sort of challenged our church to look at those as sort of, pillars to kind of aim for. The first is that uh, they were a listening and learning community. Um, if you see in Acts eleven twenty six, it says for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. So, you know, mm. he was there for an entire year teaching, pouring into like, so we kind of asked the question, are, are we that, are mm. we the kind of community that's hungry to learn, not just about the word of God, but about our city and our neighborhoods and our communities. Second thing is that they were a generous community. Um, so in verse uh, 29 and 30, they learn about a, another Christ, another community of Christ followers mm-hmm. that was struggling. So they like took up an offering and sent it on their way. Like they heard of a need and they met yeah. it. It's like a very practical, very like, all right, something's going on there. We can be a part of a solution. And then in Acts 13, we see that they were a multicultural community. So just in this one verse, 13 uh, verse one, you see all these different names listed uh, and with their names is the region that they're from. Mm. So we kind of asked hard questions like, does our church actually reflect the community that we're yeah. in? And then they were a praying and fasting community. And part of what I said at Lincoln park was 
we tend to be okay with the praying piece, but the fasting piece, sometimes mm. we get a little tripped up on like, oh, that's like for the ancient mystics. And yep. In January, actually, we're going to have a 21 days of prayer and fasting as a community. Mm. We did it last year and it was just a really, really exceptional kind of all hands on deck kind of experience. And so we kind of framed those out as like, th- this is part of what it means to be. I think the church aligned with what God wants to do in the yep. world. And so kind of gave them a, a, a challenge. And we also talked about, you know, our, our breakthrough initiative and all the different things that we want to do in and through the city. And it was, it was awesome. It was great just to That's be cool. with our, with our church in the city. And uh, I just love what God is doing there. And it was, I always feel so honored to be able to travel around to, to see really the fun. different ways that God is moving kind of in and through our church. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, unfortunately, Brian, you mentioned this a couple of segments ago. No, maybe it was this, this segment. segment. Yes. yes. <laughs> Oof, my, how the time flies. Uh, sometimes we got to talk about controversial things yep. and uh, we don't necessarily enjoy it, but I think it needs to be done. So coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about James McDonald and the ever evolving narrative with Harvest and Julie Royce and a whole lot of other things. An apology that he posted on Facebook. So we're going to do as much as we possibly can do in 10 minutes and uh, just see where it takes us. That's all coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. Can you hear me? I can. You can hear me? Yeah. The music feels so... What's the, what, what, what are the cool kids saying? Ruckus. Inspiring. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting to like 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 hear this back and be like, oh, I'm just screaming over the. Oh, oh well, oh, what are you gonna do? Eleven sixty hope dot com slash the common good on Twitter at common good talk, and uh, I mentioned it just a little bit ago, and we've talked about it probably too many times on the show. James McDonald and the ever evolving mm-hmm. narrative of Harvest. Uh, you, I know. Mm-hmm. Saw this apology, which, by the way, was a strange. It happened on Facebook, right? So it was this sort of like long form confession. And I don't. Do we need to give some backstory, some context here to catch people up? Probably helpful. You want to give a little uh, so twenty second commercial? Yep. So way back last winter, James McDonald, founder and uh, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel and Walk in the Word Ministries, and all of that stuff. Uh, the the kind of the um, the organization, the empire, kind of started to collapse a little bit. And it wasn't like the normal that somebody was accusing him of uh, sexual misconduct or even. Yeah, that's usually the one you hear. Right. But it was more attitudes of anger. Uh, it was some misuse of funds. It was just some shadiness, uh, some overall what I would call non-pastoral attitudes and traits that people would expect. Uh, James McDonald then, uh, you know, eventually gets let go Uh, of Harvest Bible Chapel. And you might remember last week, and I think this is important for the timing of this apology. You may remember last week we did a story in which James McDonald was formally um, disqualified by the elders 
right. of Harvest Bible Chapel. They said, no, we've come to the conclusion that the, the way you were and the things you've done uh, require you a season of, of repentance and restoration before you should ever serve in our church or, in our opinion, any church. Right. Uh, and it was really close to after that that James McDonald really was heard from publicly for really one of the first times mm-hmm. uh, in this Facebook post you're talking about. So, okay. This apology is long, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know. Before we kind of get into the nitty gritty, I would just love to know, as a pastor in the Chicagoland area, how how did it hit you? You're Brian from sitting on your sitting in your sunroom yep. or whatever. You're in a hot tub. I'm in a hot tub drinking a pina colada. Must be Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I know your rhythms. Yeah. Uh, you're reading this apology. How, how does it hit you? Yeah, as a pastor or as someone, you know, I feel like what I do forget is that you and I are really kind of tied into this on a day-to-day basis because of the radio show. Um, my first read of it was, wow, that was a lot of spin. Like, that felt really, really crafted to me. Mm-hmm. And I did feel a little guilty for being that jaded. Like, it, mm-hmm. I did have this follow-up thought of going, well, it really would be good if he was being like honest here and I'd feel bad. But but just the way this whole thing is played out, I went, well, that felt like kind of the next PR move. That felt like the next move to kind of Interesting. get his version out there. He in the apology discussed being illegally recorded like that felt weird to be in the apology. Right. Uh, he talked a lot about making. Um, amends with people who he hurt and this and that. And then there was a ton of Facebook response going, uh, he sued me and I never heard from him. He did this. And you're like, okay, so was this some more spin? Uh Uh, So my first blush, and I'd be interested to hear yours. My first blush was, okay, this is kind of the next PR move on his end to try to get his message out there uh, to combat what the elders just said last week. Yeah, I, uh, that's really well said Mm because I didn't love how I felt about reading it. And there was a part of me that thought, gosh, our prayer, and we've said this from day one, literally our, our first show ever was a harvest story. And, and first segment ever. Right. Yes. And it's been my hope. I'm always praying for the healing yep. of Christ church, both in Chicagoland and globally. Like we take no joy, n- no joy at all in seeing churches have to navigate through these things and seeing pastors have moral failures. Yeah. It breaks my heart more than I can express. Yep. And I've seen it up close a number of times. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there was so much in it that to me felt like, what are we doing here? What, mm. what is the, like you were saying, even the, and maybe we're, maybe we're nitpicking because part of what I was saying to you during the break was it was curious to me when reading the comments on James's post directly, how it just seemed like an avalanche of support yep. and we're praying for you yep. and statements like, you don't even need to apologize. Mm-hmm. Don't even worry about it. We all sin and let those without sin cast the first stone. Yep. I mean, the response is on his personal, on the Facebook message itself. We're almost 100% uh, It supportive. seemed like it. It really yeah. did. But then you then you see posts from other people uh, who have maybe a vested interest in this story and it going this way saying things like, that's clearly not a real apology. That's mm-hmm. How can people not see this? And I remember just having those two tabs open thinking, how how are these responses so drastically different? And and I want wanted to be really mindful, even for you and I, to to be mindful of our bias yep. and to be as fair and yes. even handed as we can be. But why do you think that is? Why do you, why do you think there was such distinct and different responses to the exact same apology? Oh, that's a great question. I think 
I'll liken it to whenever President Trump does something, mm. uh, there are people who he can't do anything wrong and there's people who he can't do anything right. And those always flesh themselves out in the coverage or the comments. I think James McDonald's ministry had a lot of longstanding positive effects on people, uh, whether they were part of his church or they listened to his radio ministry. I think there are a lot of people who, quite frankly, hold up James McDonald as one of their spiritual Mm. fathers. And so they've probably either not even known what's going on. Why has he been gone? What's going on? Or they've been waiting to hear from him, hoping that he'll say sorry or hoping he'll own. And there was enough of that in this apology where it was like, okay, like uh, the guy that I love to listen to or I followed for a long time or Mm -hmm. I read, he's back. Great. Thank you for doing this. On the other side, people who've really been trying to hold him, keep him the task or have been had a very negative view of him, read this and just said, this is just there's nothing here. This is spin. This is whatever. And are like, no, no, this is not enough so that now you can start serving it, you know, at the church in in Chicago that that you it appears that you're going to start serving. Uh in. this isn't enough to where you should be back on the radio. I think it's how we start our perspective. It's like, what perspective do we start from? And I think a lot of the positive ones were people who think really well of him. Who say, okay, maybe he didn't act in the most pastoral ways, but even in his apology, he says, I had seasons where I reverted to being angry uh-huh. and I reverted. And certain people saw that as just excuse making, but other people saw that as, look, he's genuinely repentant. Let's welcome him back and yeah. let's get him back to what he does well, speaking and this and that. And uh, and so I think that's the reflection in the comments you're seeing is people yeah. are either predisposed to not believe him or to take everything he said as truth. Well, let me get I want to give some props to our uh, our Facebook community. And uh, if you want to weigh in, it's all it's all right there. You go to uh, the Common Good Radio Show on Facebook. Here's some of the responses. I uh, we shared the actual apology and then asked for people's thoughts. Um, Andy Barsh said, I'm all for forgiveness of sins. I'm not in favor of returning power to those who so blatantly and grossly abused it. Mm, which that got powerful. That got more likes than the post itself. <laughs> uh, Catherine Howarth said, James is a gifted preacher and the ways in which he failed while significant and in need of addressing are similar to our own failings. If we are going to preach forgiveness, then we have to allow God to work in his life. We can be cautious, but perhaps God is using his testimony. Who are we to say? Which... Mm. I'm going to come back to that one, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Absolutely. Candace Phillips said, of all the apologies I've read in my 56 years on earth, this certainly is not one of them. Uh, Tina Bryant said, this I'm all... not one of them. <laughs> Tina Bryant said, I'm all for forgiving people. and doesn't sound like he's actually sorry. My buddy Ed said, too long, didn't read. And I kind of don't want to, but I will. <laughs> uh, I like Jim. Jim's comedy. He talks about being torn. Like he mentioned the same illegal recording thing. But then he also says, at the same time, as a teacher, he's amazing, which is a lot of what you're saying. We yep. tend to give... Extra excuses, I think, to people that we see as gifted or beneficial. We see the same thing in sports, right? Yes. Like, wow. Yeah, that was a bad move, but we really need a running back. Uh, I <laughs> yes. love my, I just, I mean, I'm biased. I love my brother. He said, uh, not allowed to offer qualifiers, then say no excuses. This is a proofread letter, which means mm. it's deliberate. My man thinks he was doing misdemeanors. <laughs> and that's legitimately how he talks. I love it. Uh, Matt Summerfield, same old, same old, seems like a passive aggressive pseudo apology. Maggie said the same thing. So, I, you know, it's sort of all over the place. You got, you got an okay boomer there, which is nice. You got a face palm. There's just so much, and again, maybe this is because our audience on Facebook is inclined to mm-hmm. agree with you and I. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. But if you go to his original post, there really is like 
just a waterfall of glowing appreciation and way to go. And we're cheering you on to which I always want to be mindful of. Like, yes. okay, we really missing something here. Like, cause I read it and I tend to agree with my brother. Wow. You don't get to make all these excuses yeah. and qualifiers and then go no excuses. Yeah. Uh, especially in a leadership role, especially as someone. And I've gone back of course, cause other people have posted his own sermons about, what is I and isn't an apology. Yeah. And he's like, are they actually sorry? Are they actually repentant? Or are they just sorry they got caught? Yep. Yep. So again, as someone who's, you know, preached on it, I, it's uh, complicated. It is definitely yes. complicated, but it's something that I think is worth continuing to talk about. So in light of all of that, I found this article and it says what I've observed when institutions try to apologize and how they can do better. This is both in light of this story, but also yep. just a well-written article. And I think some, uh, some practical tools for how we can actually find a better way forward. That's all coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. You can also go to Omni, which is not a thing I've ever... You gave me a weird... Fit. I have not, no idea what Omni is. You don't know what Omni is? Uh-uh. You, okay, you, boomer. <laughs> you, don't, you don't listen to the podcast, do you? <laughs> Tell me about it. What is Omni? I mean, it's it's where the podcast is hosted. It's, if you go to 1160hope.com slash the common good, you'll see Omni is the oh, thing that okay. keeps I mean, I do Omni. listen. I've got them subscribed to us. <laughs> Try not to sell myself out. I do listen. I, be, I believe you. I uh, Yeah, I believe you. You in the last segment, by the way, used the phrase, okay, boomer, or somebody read it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it just made me laugh because my kids say that all the time now. Yeah, when is that and the uh, lady screaming at the cat meme going to go away? I, I, the OK Boomer one's pretty funny to me. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Well, I think it's because my kids are doing it, and so they do it in funny ways, and it's kind of like at my wife and I. <laughs> but they'll do it at the, like, the right time. She'll be like, oh, good oh, one. So they like, actually get it. I, I think certainly so. certainly heard it used, and you're like, that's, you don't. How did that yelling at the cat one start? That feels really recent. Oh, I'm not nearly hip enough to okay. even know or care. I'm sure or it's a care. TV show or something. Okay. Do we have TV shows anymore? Is that even a thing? I don't know. <laughs> They're all I on can't. Netflix. All right. So we were talking about James McDonald and Harvest and this apology on Facebook. And I would encourage you to go to our Facebook page and read the apology for yourself um, because there's a lot there. And we would legitimately love to know your thoughts. Our uh, Our responses tended to be much more in the camp that it felt like a pseudo apology. It felt uh, trite or contrived or yep. not totally honest or, or whatever. And so again, because we don't want to be people that just kick holes in things. We also want to offer tools and resources to say, all right, well, how can, how can we do that better? Because yes. again, as pastors, I'm always trying to run it through the filter. Like, all right, well, what would I write mm-hmm. if I were in a similar situation? And, um, that's a terrifying thing to think about. I know. Right? I was yeah, like, like oh, I hope gee, not to be in that situation. It, it, right, obviously. And we do more than hope. Uh, yes. We guard ourselves when we have accountability and checks and balances and all that. Anyway, this article uh, says, what I've observed when institutions try to apologize and how they can do better. There's like a bunch of lists and a bunch of other suggestions. We probably won't be able to get to all of it, but I think there's some really, really good. Let me just kind of read the first paragraph and then we'll dive right in. Says too often the words we are sorry are casually offered and easily accepted as if they possess a supernatural power to resolve every grievance and heal any wound. Yet, in my experience working with abuses in organizations, this short statement offered as a bridge of reconciliation is often surrounded by other messages that serve a very different purpose. Above, underneath, and all around this single bridge are numerous walls of defense. These walls are established to repel the shame that threatens from with a uh, threat. Well, what's that say? Threatens from without 
Yep. yep. To protect the legitimacy hoarded within. There we go. Ensuring that the bridge of apology allows no shame to enter mm. and no legitimacy to exit. So that's kind of the premise, which I think is really good. Yeah. Why don't you walk us through some of the nuts and bolts of what this person is sort of proposing as a way forward? Yeah. And But I also like he defines... Uh, what is not an apology, right. kind of what the problem is. And in light of what we just discussed with James McDonald, uh-huh. I think some people are seeing these in there and other yes. people are not. I think it's really helpful. Uh, so he gives three examples. He says, out of the fear of either being seen as unqualified or even trying to avoid lawsuits, it's called kind of spin or how you do this. Mm-hmm. He says, there's three that are non-apologies. Yep. One, the apology that condemns. The classic example of this is the apology that says, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Right. I mean, how many of us have done that in personal apologies, right? Oh, well, I'm sorry that you took it that way. That's not really an apology. That is an apology that puts it on them. It's a subtle suggestion, right? That they're not legitimate in feeling that way. Exactly. Number two, the apology that appeases. There are times when a person apologizes simply to appease the demands of others. They determine an apology will be in their best interest because it will disarm a threat. So the organization going, I'm not really sorry, but I'm trying to get the pressure off of me. I'm trying to do that Mm. again. This is not just about organizations. We do this as individuals. And the third one, and to be honest with you, I feel like this is what a lot of James McDonald's apology felt like. It's the apology that excuses. Mm. He says, I call the apology that becomes an excuse an apologize. That's good. <laughs> the apologizer knows an apology is needed, but fears the consequences and so attaches excuses. Things like it was never our intention to mistakes were made. This is not in accordance with our values. Had we known then what we know now, we would have made different decisions. It was outside of our control. Boy, uh, it's all of these that says. I'm apologizing, but not really apologizing for what we did. I'm just trying to help you understand we could never have seen it ending this way. Right. We could never have seen this. And so hear me say I'm sorry, but I'm not really responsible. Right. Uh, right. And so uh, those are uh, hard ones. And then he goes on to say the apology that justifies the apology that self promotes the apology that asks for sympathy. I'm hurting also. Hmm. I think these are really helpful because if I'm honest with you, even in my personal life, I see myself do all six of these at various times. Yeah, right. It's uh, the the non-apology apology that kind of tries to let you off the hook, but without ever really saying I'm sorry for that specific action and no qualifiers. Yeah, some of under justifies that sometimes the wrong behavior is clearly exposed and undeniable. If that is the case, then the, then the institution might attempt to justify the behavior. There's a fine line between excuses and justifications uh, as both serve a similar purpose. Mm-hmm. But one way to distinguish them is to think of excuses as attempts to shape your perception of the wrongdoer, while justifications are attempts to shape your perception of the wrongs. Mm. That I've never heard yep. that succinctly. That's super helpful. The apology that self promotes says even if an organization is willing to bear the shame of their wrong without excuses or justifications, they can often finish the apology without laying claim to their legitimacy. Mm. Many public statements of apology put out by organizations or leaders quickly become pitches for why they are still worthy of continued support and engagement from their followers. Holy cow. This was written in July, by the way. Yes, this was not written in response to this apology we just talked about. Feels very... Dare I say prophetic? Yes. And then the one that you mentioned, the apology that asks for sympathy, quote, we're hurting too. He says, I'm amazed at how often the ones who have caused the wrong will displace the pain of the wounded with the pain of the wounder. Mm. Such messages cause the recipients to misplace compassion and reveals an inability on the part of organizational leaders to get outside of themselves. Okay. 
So this last section is called an apology scorecard. If the institution has the moral courage to give an authentic apology, then this scorecard, which is an acronym, and as pastors, we love we're those. obsessed <laughs> with them, this might be a helpful test. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the scorecard acronym? Yep. The first one is this. He says they are acts that ought to be highly contextualized to meet the needs of the situation. So it's kind of this scorecard. What does a real apology look like? The first one, the S is surrender. He says the hardest step in the process of apologizing is to give up your desire to defend yourself Hmm. using any of the non-apologies above. When I analyze statements of institutional apologies, I often observe what remains when every blame, excuse, justification, and self-promotion is crossed out. So he crosses those out. That's good. uh, And he says sometimes nothing remains. And so he says the hardest step is this of surrender. Okay. The second one is confession. Surrender paves the way for a confession. I believe each wrong must be rightly named. Quote, Mm. We were wrong when. Oh, that's powerful. A good confession serves as a mirror that reflects back to the wounded all the actions that produced hurt, a mirror that too often victims have to hold up for the organization. Holy cow. I want to meet this person. Yeah. Uh, The O is ownership. The organization uh, in the wrong must acknowledge their active role. Passive apologies like mistakes were made seek to avoid shame by avoiding ownership. Therefore, the institution should take ownership by saying something like, we take complete and full responsibility mm. for. How refreshing would that be? Oh, my to goodness. To hear more of that, right? Uh, what's the and idea? I often feel like if people do that, yeah. they get grace quicker. I, totally. <laughs> people are ready for it, but there's that, I don't want to, it just rarely happens. Yeah, 100%. Why don't you take the R? Recognition. Out of ownership should flow recognition. Just as specific wrongs were named, specific harm should also be event identified. Hmm. We recognize that our actions resulted in. Yeah. If confession and ownership says we acknowledge the Ill- illegitimacy of our actions, recognition says, and we will take upon ourselves all the shame that our actions <sighs> produce. That is powerful. Man, oh man. The last one is empathy. It is at this point that the organization has finally absorbed the truth of their wrongdoing and the gravity of their wrongs. That's a really well state. That's yep. the truth of it, but also the gravity of it. The, mm. They feel the weight of the hurt and the shame and know they are defenseless at the mercy of others and must begin the difficult work of restitution and restoration. They feel it. And out of that broken place of surrender, confession, ownership, recognition, and empathy might emerge the words, we are so sorry. Mm. I, I want to like this is really good. read this every month. Yep. Because even if you're not leading an organization or you don't represent an institution, like these are things that even in interpersonal relationships, yes. some of even what Sherry was talking earlier about, like sometimes in our defensiveness, right? Isn't that kind of how we dig our heels in in yeah. marital battles? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can probably even tell when you're doing it. Like, mm. oh, I'm sorry that you feel that way. That's, I mean, who among us hasn't said something like that at some point in our life? <laughs> All the time. That is such a good rule. It's really good. I'm actually really, I think I'm going to remember a scorecard. I'm going to write that out somewhere because I think that is really, really helpful. Okay. So that was heavy. That was a lot of content. Why don't we? Why don't we uh, pull the plane up before we land it again? And I'm going to talk about a meme I found. It's a Jesus having coffee meme. Just because why not? Because we can. But I actually think there's some deeper truths there. So we're going to unpack that a little bit. Coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us. We're not... Not really us. You can find our voices. Digital representations of us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good, on Twitter, at Common Good Talk, or wherever it is you get your podcast. Some of you might be thinking, no, duh, I'm listening via podcast right now. If that's you, if you would just hit pause mm-hmm. and hit that little share button and go listen to these two yahoos, mm-hmm. can't believe that they have a radio show. Nope. That 
we're okay with that. We if can't that's, believe it. If either. that's right, I can't. Every day my key code still works. I'm blown away. We punch it in. I go one more day. Yeah, one more day. Here I we go. We have shock and awe on our face. That one every day time. doesn't work. We're about, just put your head down and walk back to the we'll elevator. Just Charlie Brown it right back. Run. We'll like slow high five each other. Like hey. It's longer than we thought, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I mentioned it earlier that we're going to talk about a uh, a meme, which I had to clarify for you is not a GIF, which you had to, you said, if I have to guess what GIF stands for, I would guess, gosh, it's funny, (laughs) which is not accurate. But the funniest thing you've said today. It is. <laughs> I'm out, people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead. Yes. Before that, though, I know that you have some words to share with us about a, a one Mr. Rogers. Film. Yeah, there's a movie coming out called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And uh, through the radio station, I got a chance to go see it before you it came so out. so fancy. Now, to be honest, I felt really important. Like, oh, am I going to the premiere? But it really wasn't that important. Did you show up important. like in a tuxedo with tails? Oh, yeah, I did. I was like, what do I do? And they, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going like, to go like, buy yeah, popcorn you were... and just sit and watch this movie you asked what do i do and they're like watch the movie watch the movie and then tell us what you thought uh but to be honest with you uh it comes out a beautiful day in the neighborhood is about mr rogers but what i loved about the movie is it's not just about mr rogers go on it's about a reporter and the role mr rogers played in his life and i came to learn later it's actually a true story and uh i would encourage you uh, to take your family to see it. I'm going to take my family to see it. It comes out November the 22nd. It's called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And uh, I was worried when going in that I wouldn't be able to say, go see the movie. I actually really like the movie. Nice. And so I'm going to take my own family there. And uh, I would encourage you to go see it. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood coming out in theaters November 22nd. Really well done, Brian. Thank you very much. Now I want to go see it. You should go see it. Maybe I will. <laughs> Maybe I'm your first successful motivation to go see that movie. Boom. Probably won't. Nope. No, I probably will. All right. So here's a meme, not a not, not a, a gif. GIF. And uh, have you seen these Coffee with Jesus? I have. So it's a it's a uh, it's a four panel format where it's a guy usually, and it cuts from the guy saying something to Jesus saying something to the guy and Jesus. I'm over explaining it because you can't actually see it, but I <laughs> I want to just read it and I. I know this is silly. I don't know that we've ever even actually t- talked about a meme mm-hmm. for a segment, but it kind of it touches on stuff that I know you and I have talked about anecdotally, but never really kind of correct gone full tilt. So here it is. So it's a guy, <laughs> suit and tie, five o'clock shadow, big smile on his face. Says, uh, should Wait, I with a hat that says the scapers? <laughs> That's true. Shame on me for leaving that part out. Uh, he said, should I add a little fish symbol to the corner of my landscaping company's logo, Jesus? And then Jesus holding a little cup of coffee says, to what end, Carl? (laughs) I love how you said, to what end, Carl? That's kind of the face that Jesus has. And then uh, zoom in on what apparently is Carl. He says, obviously, so people will know they're dealing with a Christian company. And here's what Jesus says in response. He says, let's leave it off and see if they can figure that out by your workmanship, work ethic, and honesty instead. (laughs) Shaboom. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know. What I'm curious just first off, how that meme hits you, and then I want to drill a little deeper into like why this is actually, ironically, yeah. a little controversial. I think that good comedy, you've said this really well, good comedy, good cartoons, uh-huh. uh, good satire, They what makes them good is the nuggets of truth within them. Right. Okay? And so I think the nugget of truth here is like, we. it's really easy to put the fish on the back of your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing wrong with it. It's really easy to uh, do whatever else, to to share the Facebook meme or whatever else. The question becomes, 
does your life, does your business, does your family, whatever, reflect Jesus without the fish symbol or mm. without the meme or without the T-shirt or without whatever else it might be? Do people look at, in this case, uh, this landscaper and go, man, there's something different about that guy. He's right. honest. He's trustworthy. He does what he says. Uh, he, he has a good work ethic, whatever else it might be. He treats his employees well, whatever else. Can they see Jesus actually in the way that you run your company, the way you love your spouse, the way you treat people, uh, your neighbors, whatever else it might be? Uh, regardless of if you have a fish symbol, if you have a T-shirt that you wear, a meme on Facebook, whatever else it might be. So why do you think the temptation to add like Christian clip art to corporate branding is apparently still so popular? Uh, I think it's twofold. I think on the positive side, I think that there are people who do want to identify as Christian. And this is another way to do it. Like we are a company and I think that those people who do that on the on the positive side are probably trying to say, and this says something about us, how we are going to live, how we're going to act as a company, whatever else. So that's the positive end. Let me take the skeptical end and say that I think some people do it to drum up business. So mm. there are a lot of people who identify as Christians in our culture. And, you know, if I'm looking for somebody in this case to do my landscaping, say, or to do my roof or whatever else it might be. I think they're hoping that the fish symbol or the Bible verse or this might differentiate themselves from mm. the other landscaping company and cause the Christian out there to go, oh, I'm going to give a fellow believer a chance uh, okay. for this business. So that's the skeptical view, All uh, right. right? A generation or two ago, they used to say a lot of people went to church because it was a good way to drum up business. Um, and so I think on a positive end, they're trying to declare their faith in Jesus. They're trying to say, uh, we want to be held to the standard as a company. We want you to know this about us. There is the skeptical side that says it's another way of marketing and differentiating yourself from other landscape company, plumbing company, whatever right. else it might be. It's, uh, it's honestly a little bit why I think I disagreed with the Saul's tweet that you talked about the week I was gone last week, right? Yeah. We talked about like, oh, we need to have more in common with a fellow believer than we do in our political beliefs. And I think part of what this meme is kind of illustrating is um, we should be living the kind of lives and behaving the kind of ways that people want to be a part of whatever it is that we're doing anyway. Like, and, th and this isn't new. Martin Luther actually said uh, mm. the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes mm. because God is interested in good craftsmanship. And I think that applies to all markets, right? Regardless yeah. of what we're doing to do all of those things unto God. And I yeah. totally get like, I'm probably more skeptical. Like maybe you are a little bit too like, Oh yeah, but it'll drum up business. So mm -hmm. maybe if, if they don't have a chance to observe my workmanship, like putting a little ichthus or a cross might draw them in, you know, the thing on the car is a different argument altogether, but gosh, I think it's so important that Christians just, run good businesses, yeah. make good art, be faithful people with integrity. And I know that the people listening are like, yeah, but that doesn't pay the bills. Like that, that should be enough for us. I think to say yeah. I'm a mechanic and I'm just going to do it faithfully. And yeah. I don't have to have, you know, some sort of Jesus painting in the lobby in order to do that faithfully. Yeah. I want my character and my reputation to speak for itself. And when people inevitably ask, mm -hmm. that's my opportunity to say, well, here's why, because yeah. Jesus has changed my life and it's, it's transformed everything that I do, yep. not just my Sunday mornings, right? It it changes the way that I speak to my wife or that I raise my kids or that I handle my Absolutely. families. And I think 
to actually call people to a greater vision of what it means to be a Christian yep. in the world and not just a Christian on Sundays yeah. is way easier said than done. But I think it's just really, really important to kind of keep at the forefront. Absolutely. And as a quick aside, if you are one of the people, more power to you who puts the Jesus fish sure. on the back of your car. Sure. Uh, don't be a jerk on the road. <laughs> Like, you've put the spotlight on yourself right. a little bit, blinker. right? You've right. put the spotlight on yourself. <laughs> if you're the one wearing the Christian t-shirt or doing or putting the Facebook meme, don't then make your next Facebook post yes. like something really inappropriate or something really derogatory. Like, you're the one who's put the, the spotlight on yourself, so uh-huh. live up to the spotlight a little bit. Preach it, Brian Fromm. And what a perfect way for us to land, <laughs> to, land, <laughs> to land this plane with some interweb insanity the way that we end the show every day. Stories we've not read, sound effects we have not heard. That's what's coming up next year in The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. Brian, remember when I got the website wrong? I do. Remember when I forgot... How to be a human being with a <laughs> mouth and a microphone. It was it's tough ever, on an audio medium like that. I this. was going to say, do you ever have those moments? Because you are yes. you know, a communicator, a professional communicator. Do you ever have those like just brain entanglement moments? You're like, okay, if this goes, I'm in real trouble because oh. this is the only thing that I do. I do worry about that every now and then. <laughs> like every now and then you're like, I'm forgetting something I should be remembering. Uh-huh. Or I'm having trouble spitting out something. And you're like... Oh, Maybe boy. I have a neurological disorder. <laughs> you jump right to neurological disorder. No. See, I, I just assume I have all of those anyway. That's sort of like, I might pile it on. Yeah. Why not? And the, the neurological disorder is moving into my mid-40s, apart uh, from the that's 40s. The, so. That's the disorder? That is it. It's just growing. All right, so if you're brand new to the show, uh, at the end of every show... Well, I can't totally say that unless I have guests. <laughs> yes. I don't usually. You do it with the guests, though. I did last Pretty, week. You did, KJ right? Johnson did kickers. That's no, right. Ashley Hare. Ashley, Ashley did, Hare. Right. Yep. right. And, uh, okay, so what kickers are is inside speak for interweb insanity. There are stories boy. our producers have found for us. We have not read them. They've loaded sound effects into the computer. We have no idea what they are. So we will be mortified and tickled and everything in between right along with you. Brian Fromm, Mm -hmm. take it away. I am ready to go first. Germany. What is that first word? (laughs) Uh, Erfurt man loses license for drink drunk driving e-scooter in yodeling. (laughs) Another day, another story about someone being stupid on an e-scooter. A man has lost his driver's license after he was stopped by police for driving an e-scooter drunkenly through the streets of Erfurt. I love how you're saying that. Erfurt. E-R-F-U-R-T. That feels like Erfurt. I know, but I feel like you're really getting very muppy. He was apparently drawing plenty of attention to himself by yodeling as he went. Police in Erfurt stopped a man yodeling and riding in large, unsteady curves through the streets of the central German city of Erfurt last weekend. This is going to be a recola commercial, isn't it? After stopping him, officials conducted a blood alcohol test and discovered that he was way over the limit. His driving license was confiscated immediately. (laughs) Am I not dialed into pop culture? It began by saying another day, another story about someone being stupid on an e-scooter. Yeah, I think they've been having trouble, especially in Germany, as we read later on. But John, John's got a story. There was a kicker a couple months ago we did where the Oktoberfest people were getting arrested by the hundreds. Oh, that's right. And it's like, oh, another German e-scooter story. And they caught on. Gosh, we, yeah, we got we to gotta get with the times, guys. I'm still yeah. driving a car like a noob. <laughs> All right, England. Come oh, boy. Dog poo painter told to cease and desist by owner. I don't mm. like this. Yep. A dog poo. <laughs> yep, what? I think I agree with this. <laughs> 
A dog poo vigilante who spray painted rings around dog mess on its coastal path has been told to stop doing it. About 15 piles of poo on the Washford path near Watch It in Somerset were circled with white paint last month. Steam Coast Trail, which owns the land, has warned the person on its Facebook page to cease and desist as they do not have permission to do this. Sarah Elward from the charity said, It's permanent paint and looks really unsightly. What were they thinking? Uh, since then, the charity has had to post several messages on its Facebook page asking owners to pick up after their pets and not to chuck dog mess bags onto the <laughs> railway. Ah, poop. Looks like Mr. Squarepants understands poop. You know, I thought England was more proper That's than that. That's a weird story. That's a real weird one. Minnesota Star Wars character placed on Latter-day Saint Church program. <laughs> I saw this. It's Obi-Wan, right? <laughs> Members of the congregation at a Latter-day Saint Church in Minnesota may have noticed a familiar but out-of-place face on the front of the church program. An image of Obi-Wan Kenobi, as portrayed by uh, Ewan McGregor in the Star Wars prequels, was used in a collage depicting images of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've seen a lot uh, out there where people think this is fake or was an accident by Googling Jesus pics and not knowing it was Obi-Wan. I was fully aware of what I was doing, wrote Instagram user, who claimed credit for designing the program. The resemblance of McGregor's Obi-Wan and traditional depictions of Jesus has been noted before. In 2017, a Reddit user claimed to have replaced a picture of Christ with a picture of Kenobi at his parents' house, and no one knew it for three months. You want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. It's very Jesus-like. Yes. Do you think it was weird for Jesus... To be the only white guy around a bunch of Middle Eastern With that long hair, too. Yeah, that must yeah. have been uncomfortable for yeah. you. Anyway, all right, Missouri. Eldon, Missouri man arrested after breaking into store to save mannequins from sex trafficking. <sighs> Boy. Mont Hardcastle is... <laughs> Don't pull it together, Brian. Is used to seeing interesting things in his line of work. He's the manager of Marty's Birds Bar and Grill at the Lake of the Ozarks. This can't be real. Saturday night, Hardcastle saw something new across the street. It was suspicious to me in the way that he was acting, running around in front of the boutique, yelling and screaming and banging on the windows. The boutique, Me Dreams Angels. <laughs> what? It's an adult store. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> it has several displays in its windows, including mannequins wearing different styles of lingerie. Why do I keep getting these stories? <laughs> he said that the mannequins were telling him that they needed to be let out oh or God. something. The man, identified now as James Isak Short, then tried to break into the shop. Hardcastle says he watched him try the door several times, then Short jumped onto the bench and kicked the glass window until it shattered. You could learn a lot from a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I have so many comments on that one, but I'm going to let them all go for fear of my job. <laughs> Last one's out of Michigan. America's high five. Uh, state trooper stops banana car driver, gives him $20 ticket instead. Steve Braithwaite of Kalamazoo built this big banana car out of a Ford F-150 pickup for reasons clear mainly only to him. He was pulled over by a state trooper at 7.30 a.m. recently as he headed for a long road trip. Uh, Brathwaite told the paper his license came back with a $20 bill wrapped around it. At that point, Brathwaite did what his license plate says and split. It's actually, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. I do like that it ended with a pun. I do, too. I'm not, not going to lie. I, I do, I, too. I'm pretty happy about that. This was a weird show, man. Yes, it was. <laughs> Thanks, thankful uh, for Sherry Benke for saving the day because yes. that was, uh, we were all over the place. Well, never a dull moment here at the Common Good for Brian Fromm. I mean, some kids hope you'll join us tomorrow and every day from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.